But it is good to see all of you out this evening. We're glad that you're here with us. And uh, we have been studying today the importance of baptism. The lesson is entitled Essential Baptism. And we did the first half of the lesson this morning. And now we'll complete the other half. So for those that uh, missed the other one, uh, I hope to have it on the website Tuesday. And uh, you can listen to it if you would like. But we've talked about the importance of baptism, and so far we have noticed that there are many people throughout the world, many denominations, that believe different things about baptism. And just to kind of go over some of the things that, that we've already talked about, uh, we talked about how there are many people that teach that salvation is something that comes um, through faith, faith alone. There are some that believe that you have to say a sinner's prayer. And maybe they'll include the other things that go along with it. Belief, confession, and repentance as, as requirements for salvation. But baptism is not always included. And when we look at some of the things that they teach about baptism, it's not essential to salvation. There are some that teach it to be an outward showing of an inner salvation or something necessary to join the church. And certainly those things are, are not what we read in scriptures. So as we are looking at this lesson, we're looking from the standpoint of someone who does not know what baptism is. Who's never heard. We want to hear what God has to say. And so we look at it from a fresh standpoint. With fresh eyes and a fresh heart. And look at exactly what God has to say. Uh, so far we have noticed what baptism is as we look at it from the scriptures, as we look at it from the New Testament. Uh, if we just were to search the word, there are several places where baptism is mentioned. And the things that we learn about baptism from that, we understand that the first form of baptism was the baptism of repentance. Up until Jesus came and he brought with him a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And after Jesus' death, we understand that baptism was taught as a part of our receiving remission of sin. We understand the plan of salvation from the Scriptures. Faith, hearing and believing, repentance, confession, and baptism for remission of sins. We see that Jesus came to, whenever he did come, he was baptized by John. And we understand that his baptism was to fulfill all righteousness, as we read in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15. His baptism is one of example for us as well. We see that he was baptized. And so we understand that we are also to be baptized. We understand that baptism involves dipping in water. It's not a sprinkling or a pouring. That's not what we read in scriptures. But we read that it does involve dipping in water according to Matthew 3 and verse 11. We see that in these instances of baptism that we read of in the Gospels that it must have been immersion because... Jesus came up from the water, for instance, in Matthew 3, 16, 
Mark 1.10. And we know that John was baptizing in the Anon because there was much water there. John 3 and verse 23. We also looked at how baptism is mentioned in the Great Commission. And we understand that each account of the Great Commission is a little different in wording. But the same thing that Jesus taught his disciples and is teaching us. And we learn what we are to preach. We learn that we are to preach the gospel to all the world. That that is important for us. And along with that, we also are to preach repentance and baptism for the remission of sin. Seeing the authority that was given to the apostles, we understand that the disciples are to follow their teachings. And so we do. And we understand that they also taught baptism for remission of sins. And that kind of gets us to where we are tonight in the second half of this lesson. There are going to be a couple of questions that we're going to answer tonight. One is, what must I do? In regards to salvation, what must I do to be saved? We understand that baptism is a part of that. But what must I do? There are several examples of individuals becoming Christians in the book of Acts. Depending on their circumstances, they were told what was necessary to be saved. If someone had left only baptism undone, and they were told to be baptized for the remission of their sin. If someone had not yet repented, they were told to repent and be baptized. Because that was what they needed to do. One of the things that we notice as we study this subject, and as we study the examples that are found in the book of Acts, if you look at each account of conversion, all of them involve baptism. Even though there were things that people were told to do that, that you know, when we look at repentance, it wasn't mentioned in every case. But baptism was. And I find that interesting. But as we look at these examples that are found in the book of Acts, we see that baptism was necessary and for a reason. The first example that I want us to look at tonight is the example of Paul formerly known as Saul, as we read of him in Acts chapter 9. As we look at Acts chapter 9, we see that Saul, there was something that he needed to do to become a Christian. And baptism was part of that. But as we look at the example of his conversion, we begin reading in verse 1. Then Saul, then Saul still breathing threats and murder, against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, 
whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. We begin reading at verse 17, and it says this. Verse 17 of Acts 9. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scale, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And we read a more detailed account of the instructions that were given to Saul, found in Acts chapter 22. And this is Saul telling of what happened to him and how he was converted. But in Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 12, it says this, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one. And hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We understand that even though the Lord had spoken to Saul, he still was not converted. He still had not done all the things that he needed to do to be saved. He had not yet been baptized. And he was instructed to do so. And we read that following baptism, that his sins would be washed away. Not until baptism was taken care of. We read another example in the book of Acts chapter 2. And this is on the day of Pentecost. And we've already mentioned that this morning. But I want to go back to it once again. And notice what these men and women were told to do. In Acts chapter 2, at the conclusion of Peter's sermon, we read this in verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They understood they were not saved. There was something that they must do. And they asked that question, What must we do? Verse 38. 
And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The people here in Jerusalem had just heard the very first gospel sermon preached following the death of Christ. Peter gave them the instructions to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. That is what was necessary for them to be saved. We'll read another example in the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8. Acts 8 and beginning with verse 34 and reading through verse 39. We understand that Philip had come to the, the eunuch and they were studying the book of Isaiah. And in verse 34, it says, So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Having studied with Philip, he believed what was taught. And that was evident. And we see that he confessed his belief before baptism. And following baptism, what did he do? He went on his way rejoicing. Why? Why did he go away rejoicing? Because he had been cleansed from his sins. We read of other examples throughout the book of Acts. We see Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Having believed, he was told to be baptized for the remission of his sins. The jailer of Acts 16 was also told to be baptized. And Lydia, as well as her household in Acts 16, heeded the message of Paul, and they were also baptized. Baptism is found in all the examples that we find in the book of Acts. Someone being converted. In all cases, these individuals heard the gospel. They believed that Christ was the Son of God they repented. They confessed Christ. They were baptized in water to be saved. I believe that to be the case with all of them. They were taken from where they were and brought where they needed to be. 
But baptism was always necessary in obedience to God's Word for one to be saved. Without baptism being included in the equation, one is only almost persuaded. Now let's answer another question. Isn't baptism a work? You might hear that from someone that you might study with. Many believe that the Bible teaches faith only or grace only salvation. And in order to teach that, they use certain scriptures out of context. And one of those passages is part of what was our scripture reading. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse 8. Ephesians 2 and beginning with verse 8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The, the doctrine that is taught here is based on this scripture, but again it is taken out of context. This passage as well as others uh, that are used to teach this doctrine. But how? Whenever we look at this passage, it clearly says that we're not saved of works, right? So, would that include the things that we're told to be saved? Repentance, confession, baptism, are those works? And if so, then we're not saved by them, right? Salvation is, is something that comes through faith. It's, it's a gift of God. One of the things that we have to understand about this passage as well as others is that there is a difference in the works mentioned here. Works of merit. And the works required for salvation. The works of obedience. Baptism along with repentance and confession is a work of obedience. Salvation does not come by merit, not by the, the works that we do, the things that we do, maybe that are good. It doesn't come from anything like that. But salvation comes through works of obedience. We are saved by grace, not because of anything that we have done to deserve salvation. When we do the works of obedience, God requires. Now, James explains the role of works in regard to salvation. Turn with me to James chapter 2. Let's begin reading at verse 14. And read through verse 26. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? but does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself. If it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. See, faith without works is dead. It's very plainly stated. But does that contradict Ephesians 2? No. See, the works mentioned in these verses are of a different times. While grace saves us, not works of merit, works of obedience are still required. One who does not do the works of obedience after believing is spiritually dead. You see, man is justified by his works of obedience. Would anyone, Old or New Testament, have been saved without obedience to God? No. Whenever we look at examples such as Abraham or Noah, we know that they believed. They took the things that God told them. They believed them. But what good would it have done if they did not follow through with God, what God told them to do? Again, we go back to the example of Noah as we did this morning. What would have happened if he hadn't built the ark? Would he have been saved through the flood? No. You see, there were works of obedience that were required to come along with faith. In the same way in the New Testament. With any of the, the people that were converted, with any of the examples that we have in the New Testament, these people have been saved. Had they not done the things that were required of them? The things that they were told to do? No. We also understand that God is righteous. And His judgment is righteous always. The only way that we are found righteous in His sight is by doing what we have been commanded to do. Hearing, believing, repenting confessing and being baptized for the remission of sins. To become a child of God, one must follow all the steps in God's plan. Not my plan, not something that we as a congregation have come up with. You see, this is God's plan. When we open up His Word, we read of His plan, the things that he wants us to do. Salvation does not come through anything that man has devised. 
Only through what God has told us to do. Man may decide that baptism is not that important. But God's Word says otherwise. God's Word teaches us in every example that baptism is necessary for salvation. And again, not one of the conversions mentioned in the New Testament omits baptism. It's always included. It's the one thing that everyone that needed to be saved was told be baptized. No matter where they were in their steps to salvation, they were all told to be baptized. And the individuals were not saved until they had been baptized. If God required baptism of those desiring to be Christians in the first century, is it not reasonable to believe that He wants the same for us now? Absolutely. You see, we are the church, the same church of the first century. We are the church that was established by Christ. We understand that it is through baptism that we come in contact with His blood. Not literally. But we do come in contact with the cleansing power of His blood when we are baptized for the remission of our sin. If we have done all the things that God has said to do. Baptism is necessary. It is essential. I hope that we understand that. And tonight, maybe it is that someone's here that hasn't been baptized. I think we all have. But if that's the case, if that's what you're in need of, then please, we would ask you to take care of that in your life. But maybe it is also that even following these steps in the plan of salvation, someone does not continue to live a faithful life. And if that's the case, if that's where you stand, if you stand outside of Christ because of something that you've done, something that you continue to do, the way that you're living, something that you need to repent of, something that you need to ask for prayers for or forgiveness for, if you have any need whatsoever, we always offer an invitation. Again, not my invitation, but the Lord's invitation. He wants you to come. And we want you to come as well. If you're in need, if there's anything that we can do to assist you, Please come as together we stand as we sing. Take my life.